Greetings, consumers of podcasts. It's the Nerdist number 413. I'm sorry, I'm a little stuffed up. Just getting over a cold. Getting over some bronchitis. Woo, antibiotics. Yeah. Coughing from my chest. I feel fine, though. And don't worry if you're a hypochondriac. You cannot get it. Uh, first of all, you can't get bronchitis from someone. And second of all, uh, you can't get it through your earbuds listening to an audio podcast. I know you probably think you can, but you can't. Ah, hypochondria. The brain gift that keeps giving. Um, some uh, stuff coming up on the calendar. You will probably want to mark this down. It may be relevant to your interests. Walking Dead is back, October 13th, Sunday, which means that Talking Dead is back as well. So uh, I will just be still mourning the Breaking Bad finale, whatever happens, so I haven't seen it yet. I know, I won't say anything. Um, but uh, then we have a weekend off, and then Walking and Talking Dead come back, October 13th, and then October 21st at midnight on Comedy Central. The time is in the title. It is on at midnight right after Colbert. It's sort of a uh, fake stand-up comedy game show uh, thing that's about social media. So uh, it'll be fun. A lot of comics you love will be on the show, and I'm very excited to do it. This is, uh, this is, this is a fun time. I gotta be honest. It's a fun time. I'm in Boston right now. We're doing the Wilbur Theater Night with Matt Myra. And so, uh, I, I did radio all morning. And, um, so now I kind of don't know what reality I'm in. This episode of Nurse Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. It is easy to use. They'll send you a digital scale. Because, um, look, your brain is a powerful computer, but it is not a powerful computer where you can pick something up in your hands and go, this weighs this much, ergo this much postage. But that's what a digital scale will do. Uh, they'll send you one, you can plug it in your computer, and then uh, you will get exactly the postage that you need for your package. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. It's like having a postal expert right at your desk. You will never have to go to the post office again. Because why would you do that to yourself? Right now there's a promo code, and for a long time there's been a promo code. It is the promo code Nerdist special offer. There's a no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including that digital scale, the aforementioned digital scale, and up to $55 of free postage. Do not wait. Do not wait, humans. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. This episode is Stan Lee, who was on... One of the first uh, handful of episodes of the Nurse Podcast. But Stan is just the loveliest guy in the world. Went to his office in Beverly Hills and uh, he's got the most amazing spot. I was going to say, most amazing Spider Man pinball machine. It actually is an amazing Spider Man pinball machine. Uh, but it doesn't work, we found out. So if you're a pinball repairman, help Stan out. Also, uh, his new show on the Sci Fi Channel, Fangasm, is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. And. Stan Lee's Kamikaze Expo will take place November 1st through 3rd in Los Angeles. It's a comic, gaming, anime, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and general pop culture expo. Um, so look for that if you're in Los Angeles, November 1st through, uh, 1st through the 3rd. And again, Fangasm Tuesdays at 10, 9 central on Sci-Fi Channel. Here he is, your Generalissimo himself, Stan Lee. True believers. You know, if I didn't have a cold, that would be a, a better Stan Lee. I promise. It's it's more Stan-ish at this point. Now entering Nerdist.com Welcome to your office. <laughs> it's really hard not to start playing with things in your office. You know, you, you can't just leave stuff like this out and not expect people to start touching everything. This is for me to play with. <laughs> Do you, I, how, when was the last time you played the Amazing Spider-Man pinball machine? When it worked. It's been broken for a few years. But um, I loved it when it worked. I'm going to make it... lit it, up and it made noise and the ball bounced around. It was great. I'm going to make this my personal mission to send someone to fix your pinball machine. It would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once this podcast goes up, we're going to get a million responses of people saying, I'll fix it. <laughs> Good, I'd let them. That, I don't know if you want to let just anyone in your office. Oh, yes, we let it in. Do you I, just let it in? I'm here. No, you're right. You're right. There was no, no one, no one stopped me. I just got to walk right in. Um, but it's great. It, you know, the, we'll sort of, you know, we'll sort of loosely talk about the, the Fangasm show, but from the standpoint of, 
the idea of where our culture has gone since you since you started, and how much I think fans like f- fans are embraced. Well, it's not a case of where the culture has gone. When I started, that was the start of the culture. That's right. There, see. there was no. And since I'm still operating, the culture is still continuing. It is. I hate to think what will happen when I'm no longer here, but that's your problem. No, that's never going to happen. <laughs> You're going to be here forever, Stan. And I, In spirit, certainly. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I, when I was growing up, the idea of, of, you know, being a hardcore fan of comics or even, you know, video games or, or whatever was still a very insulated environment. And now I feel like our culture has evolved to, hey, it's okay to be open and excited about the things that you love. Have you, have you noticed that in the past few decades? I'm one of the great observers of all sorts of human trends, you see. So I've certainly noticed it. It's reached the point now where the fact that I don't have time to play video games makes me an outsider. Right. And I dare not tell people that I haven't got time to read comics because I would be shunned. (laughs) (laughs) But don't you feel like people would understand that you're busy making them, which means that you don't have as much time to go play as you would want to? But I, I... generously bestow all of those goodies on the human race. (laughs) That's right. For which I receive a lot of appreciation and it works out well. You know, I do think it's funny that um, a lot of people... Excuse me, is this the interview? This is it. We're already talking. Oh, I thought we were just kidding around. We are kidding around. Oh, do we have to get into official mode? No, that's okay. Okay, good. I I just wanted to know. The podcast is a very (laughs) loose conversation. I did one with you once a couple years ago. It was at a convention in Vegas, I think, and um, it was uh, it was very much that kind of standard, like where did Spider-Man come from, and what did this happen? And, and you were very gracious about it. I was uh, adorable. I you were remember. adorable. Yes, but you know, it's all it's all those questions that you had to answer a million times. But I was I was actually excited to have you back on. So that we could talk kind of beyond You're all that stuff. You're making it like a conversation. That's I why I didn't realize it was an interview. Yeah, see, see I now I'm all nervous and tense. That's right. Because well, I'm being interviewed. Well, what's going to happen is that. we're going to close all the blinds <clears throat> and I'm going to fire a spotlight on you and then... I'm used to that, yes. <laughs> I always felt I, wherever I go, there should be a, somebody up there should just keep one on me at all times. At all times. I feel comfortable with the spotlight on you. It is kind of interesting, though, I, just kind of going back to what you said where people would be horrified to know that you haven't read every single thing ever, not really thinking like there are only so many hours in the day (laughs) that you have to you're creating and that you don't have time necessarily (laughs) (laughs) see what happens when I don't answer the whole world comes to a stand folds his arms well (laughs) I think it's I think people expect... I mean, since you are the Generalissimo... And don't forget it. I will never forget it. People... I think people think, oh no, he's this, uh, you know, omnipotent being who does not follow the same rules of time and space that we mere mortals follow. I like the way that sounded. Yes, I'll go (laughs) along with it. (laughs) Do you think... Do you ever see, like, comics or, or, you know, this sort of culture that we've built as sort of like... A new kind of religion for people, like just like a like a like a lifestyle, a, a way to. I hope it's not. <laughs> it, it, it's just something they should enjoy and get a hell of a kick out of, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'm not trying to tamper with anybody's religion. I don't want some religious fanatics. No, 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 no. Me, of course you know? not. I don't mean. I didn't I mean, mean you. I mean, you keep your own religion. I'm not interfering. Do what you want. Pray the way you want. Leave me out of it. I don't get me involved in that kind of stuff. No, <laughs> I just sir. mean. I just mean not in the literal sense, but in this the, in the figurative sense of like, you know, this culture has evolved to give people like a lifestyle and a set of beliefs and a you know like don't you feel like well that, the only beliefs are the fact that. Marvel has wonderful comics, that Disney produces the greatest movies in the world, mainly the Marvel ones, and that I am so generous in bestowing all this wonderment on the human race. That's that's really the only belief that we're trying to get across to anybody. That's all. That's it. In the 70s and 80s, did did you ever think, you know, someday these films are going to be as big as they have become because there there was sort of that slump you know in the 70s and 80s where it was like they would try to make a superhero movie and it just it just didn't have the effects or it just didn't have the 
the the heft that it needed, and now you know now it's expected. It's just a part of the industry. When we seriously tried to make the movies, they worked at the beginning. The first one we did was Blade. Yeah, the Vampire Hunter or whatever the hell the name was. Right, and that did well. There were there was a Blade. sequel or two. And after that came X-Men and Spider-Man and so forth. So we really were very lucky, as well as being incredibly talented and uh, brilliant about the way the movies were made. I wish I could take credit for them, but I didn't make the movies, but I sure loved them. And now there's no stopping us. Now every movie is better than the one before. I really envy you that you'll be able to see one after another after another. I'm so busy um, doing what I do to bring enlightenment to the human race that occasionally I miss. <laughs> you occasionally have to. Yeah, exactly. It's a big responsibility. It is that you've that you've graciously shouldered uh, yourself, which is very nice. Yes, I but put I, myself out that way. But I almost feel like that, uh, you know, when a when a when a superhero movie really works that it almost kind of spoils the audience in a way because then they expect every film to be better than the previous one, which is it's very hard to reinvent the genre every time you make a movie. No, no, each film gets better than the last one because we learn something with each film and we always leave a little clue what's coming next. Yeah. It's like we did with the comic books. Every story I wrote in the comics was better than the one before. And we started very high. It wasn't easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell that modesty is my chief virtue, <laughs> and that impresses the hell out of people. <laughs> they do. They're like, you know, Stan, he doesn't, he doesn't want to take any credit for any of this. Um, but well, I happen to be my biggest fan. In fact, I may have never told you this before. I've always wished that I were somebody else so that I could have me for a friend. I mean, wouldn't that Just be nice? Just sit at my feet and listen to the wisdom that pours out all when the When you say it like that, it's almost a burden that you have to be you it because you don't, you're not able true. to be yes. your own friend. But I, I carry that burden very well. <laughs> we, it, there, there needs to be like a Wisdom of Stan Lee app or something so that people can just hit their phone. Oh, you couldn't put it into words. It's too deep. It really is too deep. No meaningful. phone could hold all no, of the not, information. No. <laughs> what do you think the most important thing you've learned over the last uh, several decades of work? To cut interviews like this short before <laughs> I make a total fool of myself. <laughs> what is it that you think that, like, what have you seen happen and what do you think you've learned? Because you're still, I mean, I don't know what you're writing, but I can see over there at your desk without spying that you're writing. That you, oh, yes. You come in and write every day? No, and... it's some material for a TV series that we're doing. And um, what I have learned is that if you keep working, it keeps you out of trouble. If I keep writing, I don't get in trouble. Yeah. And I'm the kind of guy who normally would get in trouble. So I just keep writing, and that's the way it is. And, um, Nobody can yell at me when I'm writing. Oh, don't disturb him. He's writing. Yeah. They don't know what the hell I'm writing. It could be the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog, <laughs> but they don't want to disturb me. So I have my own little angle nook. I look like I'm pounding the typewriter. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. And this isn't at all the answer you expected, is it? No, but it's a good answer because, I, first of all, I think people like to know that you're still involved. Oh, am I ever involved? Yeah, I mean that you come in every day. Is your schedule pretty much you come in every day, you sit come down in and every write? Every single day I hear them and the oh God, he's here again. <laughs> every day that happens. <laughs> and um, yeah, I stay sometimes a couple hours even. Oh, wow. Yeah, I make the supreme sacrifice. <laughs> Incidentally, nothing I've told you yet has been true. Not at I all I hope yet. it was entertaining. I hope it held your interest. I, I don't want any of your listeners to think that there's any knowledge that's been imparted, because <laughs> it's all a lot of nonsense. <laughs> but you, I mean, of, of most of the people that we've had on the <clears throat> podcast... And they we've were had, real people. We've had a lot. You're real. I can poke your hand. You're totally real. <laughs> you, you're a guy who, I mean... Adorable is a good word. You're an adorable gentleman mm -hmm. um, with more knowledge than most human beings have. But you've probably done more interviews than anyone that I've ever had. In the had whole world. On the podcast. And that doesn't include only this planet. No, no. It's all that's. It's not just this system, but most of the universe and, and the outer rim. But. Uh, how do you how do you keep it fresh when you're you know because again like I said when I had you on the first time I know you've been asked those questions a million times but you answered them with like exuberance with alacrity and with drama yeah exuberance and yeah 
I know you were so impressed. It made my heart feel good to see you sitting there just beaming and smiling. I was. And thinking how fortunate I am to be interviewing this wonderful human being. And how sad I was for you that you weren't getting that, ex- that experience No, I'm getting the just as excited. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> but I'm easy to please. So how do you, I mean, is, 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 are you still that passionate about the source material that you can tell the same Spider-Man story a million times and still feel invigorated each time. I have never told the same Spider-Man story twice. Each issue was a brand new story with new problems and complications and events that took place. Never have I repeated a story. I will have to ask you to leave. I'm so sorry. And then uh, footsteps. We'll put in the footsteps. (laughs) I just watched online the other day. Someone had posted... um, the Spider-Man TV series from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything to do with that? You know, I honestly don't remember. I might have. I don't recall. It was quick. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I think it was only on for a couple of... Do, do you remember it? Were you involved? No, I was not. No. You were, were you not around then? No, it was before my time. Gotcha. He was reading War and Peace and things like that. <laughs> is this, this your, is your, part, your business partner? This is Gil Champion, my partner, damn right. Gil! He's the guy who does all the work. I take all the credit. We have the greatest relationship. You told me it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> is that a fair assessment, Gil? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gil, runs, Gil runs the business. <clears throat> we had a deal years ago. You'll run the business, I'll do the interviews. <laughs> That's and a, I don't know who came out ahead on that one. It's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> what does it take to run this business with all the the areas that you guys stretch into? Well, I think it's about seven days a week, uh, at least 12 hours a day, and then... uh, That's for him. uh, Yeah. He'll he'll occasionally be emailing and and Skyping up till about 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wow. And how many different areas are you guys, I mean, you know, film and television and comics and video games and I mean, anything, pretty much everything. <clears throat> anything that has to do with entertainment, you yeah. name it. Gee, I'm sorry, my voice. I you usually water? have the most magnificent voice. And all of a sudden I get Here, something in my throat. Have some water. I, I just feel bad because whoever is listening to this <laughs> isn't getting the full enjoyment out of this great voice. But they're not getting what we refer to as the full stand, mm-hmm. which I think... I think a little bit of water will cure Excuse that. Excuse me a minute. We're yes. perpetuating stands by creating guard or guard. All new characters, all new stories, whether it's for movies, TV, DVDs, publishing. Honestly, because you're you, you could gargle water for an hour and people would still be happy <laughs> and it would to be entertaining. It. it would be entertaining. I would find a way to make gargling fun. That is how the Generalissimo works. <laughs> he makes gargling interesting. No, the funny thing is you have to make everything fun. If it isn't fun, why do it. Whether it's writing stories or reading stories or producing stories or doing movies or television shows, you got to be entertained. We're in the business of entertainment. Yeah. We haven't quite succeeded yet, but that's our goal. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's it, people get into the business for a lot of different reasons, and I'm sure for some of them it's money or success or, you know. That's good, too. Those are fine, but ultimately... I do. You do have to remember because not every day is going to be filled with. Oh, these are all fun problems that we have to tackle. No, so no, you, they are every day, every, every single, single day. day, fun problems. This I think guy Gil brings might, me problems every day of the I think, week. I think Gil might disagree about the fun <laughs> problems. We're consistent, though. <laughs> but, but I do feel like it's important to remember at the core of it that it is supposed to be fun. That ultimately, the thing you're working for is supposed to be fun. Well, here's the thing: the business we're in is the business of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Entertainment has to be fun. You want to entertain people. You want them to enjoy what you're offering them. Yeah. So we try to be enjoyable. And that's why I keep Gil around. Nobody really likes me, but he has this great personality. <laughs> we just have one heck of a good time after another. <laughs> so if, you, if, you, if you're up against a project that it's feeling like, this isn't fun, this isn't fun. We get rid of it. You we just get rid of it. it. Absolutely. That's why we have nothing to do today. <laughs> <laughs> or we make it fun. We find a way to turn it around and make it fun. Yeah. Like this interview. It's Normally it. this would be a boring, dull interview. Absolutely. It? But look at the fun we're having and the people listening to it are going to be saying, oh, Lord, I hope it doesn't end too soon. Oh, it is so wonderful. Please let it keep going on. Said, I'm so, I know it as though I'm sitting there watching them. I am so jealous of you that and you well, get you to be you be. being interviewed by me. <laughs> I'm trying to do it. 
It doesn't work when I say it. I just sound like a jerk. When you say it, it's adorable. Yes, adorability is one of my main (laughs) Durability and adorability. Um, But I want to talk about just the idea of... um, Because the show, the Fangasm show really is about people exploring like the farthest reaches of things that they uh, fan over and I know you oh, guys come on it's a bunch of guys who want to wear costumes and make like superheroes yes which is you're great. making it sound so philosophical <laughs> it is philosophical from you know from the from the from the level that I see it at every because I go to a lot of conventions from the level I see it is it really is there is a philosophical thing about it because again what I was kind of getting at earlier is that it used to not be accepted to be into stuff like that it just it just wasn't. People would, you know, they, we were not accepted. So now we have these massive communities where people are openly saying, yes, wear the costumes you want. Be, get excited about the things that you're excited about, and it's okay. I feel like you have helped usher in this age of acceptance that we didn't have before. Well, I think, to put it more briefly and accurately... I have liberated mankind. I think if we're really getting to the meat of what Absolutely, we're talking about, I couldn't agree more. We were prisoners before, and now we are free. You I are have set you free. You are Morpheus, and you've given us the red pill. I'm glad you're aware of that. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, in my own humble way. Now, the funny thing is. Why was Halloween always such a popular holiday with young people? They love dressing up. Yeah. Everybody loves putting on a costume. But there was no reason to until the comics with the costume characters became so popular. And yeah. then in the movies. And now kids who buy the costumes or wear the costumes, they feel like it's okay to do this because we're part of a whole generation that's doing it. We're part of an inner circle. Yeah. And and when we go to the comic book conventions, then we're liberated. Then we can dress any way we want to. Right. And um, it, it is really a social change in a sense. Yeah. Because it used to be people only thought of costumes during Halloween. Right. Now, when a movie comes out, or when there's a convention or a new television show that deals with something super, people feel, I'll dress like that too. Why not? It's fun. Yeah. So, again, the whole purpose of being in entertainment is to entertain people and let them feel they're having fun. So, I can't say that I'm responsible for people wearing costumes, but if they enjoy it and it's harmless, why not? Well, I think a lot of... I think Comic-Con's changed fundamentally at the beginning of the 2000s when we started to see you know like uh with um sam raimi spider-man and the and x-men that's when the comic book conventions became not just comic booky but also like pop culture-y at the same time which involved movies and television shows and that's very perceptive of you because Comic conventions are no longer comic book conventions. No. They are now entertainment conventions. Right. And you're right. You have movies. You have television. You even have movies now. I, I'm sorry, music now. And pretty soon they'll be playing up sports. Everything that people are interested in and entertained by, mainly, will be part of these conventions. Yeah. And I think... Um you know, I've seen some people sort of complain about that and go, it's not just about comics anymore. And I go, yes, it may not just be about comics, but I think it's, I think it's better. I think it's more welcoming when you can kind of include, you know, and, then, and we, because it's popular now, we get like a massive Avengers movie, you know, as opposed to what we would have gotten in the 70s and the 80s, which would have been an attempt, yeah. you know, for a very small audience. Well, don't forget in the 70s, they didn't even have the uh, special effects that they could have today. Right. I mean, right now, there's nothing you can visualize that you can't put on the screen. Yeah. That wasn't the case a few decades back. So the the art of special effects has helped so much. And the fact that now they're not afraid to take what was in the comics and portray it in the same way on the screen. They don't have to change it tremendously to make it more palatable to a movie audience. Right. They have found that the movie audience responds to the very same things that the comic book readers responded to, right. which is kind of interesting. We could do a whole other interview about that. Well, it, and also, you know, you, you get guys like Joss Whedon, who grew up reading comic mm-hmm. books, who then, you know, 
got big enough and experienced enough to helm a movie like this to essentially re-express the things that he loved when he was a kid, who were all sort of, you know, people, a generation who was raised on comics and pop culture of that nature being able to say, aha, now I'm going to do something as huge as possible with it. I mean, I moderated the I moderated the Marvel panel at Comic Con this year, and Joss came out for a minute at the end just to announce the name of the next Avengers movie, and people were like, they went crazy, like just tearing their eyes out because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't you know it was too much yeah. to handle. So I, I think when you're when you go to the cons and you see that level of fandom, and certainly people freak out when they meet you in person. Now, how how are you able to sort of how are you able to kind of bring them down a little bit? Because you you're very you make people feel very comfortable. So how are you able to get people from you know oh my god and just like okay calm down let's talk no for a no second. no with me they're always oh my god because I'm always so inspiring that they don't <laughs> lose their excitement. <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't know I just talk to them you know. Uh, see I hate making speeches, so I don't make speeches I talk to them. Yeah. And I try to hear what they have to say. They always ask questions that I can't answer, so I give them some ridiculous answer. Like one question I always get is, "If the Hulk had to fight uh, Galactus, who would win?" Right. And I answer it as honestly as I can. It depends on who's writing the story. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a really good answer. And they appreciate that. They appreciate that deep down native honesty for which I'm so well known <laughs> but uh, it is sort of interesting that you know with all the with all the different characters and all the different properties they do all have you know multiple storylines and multiple universes and multiple ways that they're drawn and depicted and characterized and but when it all comes down to it everyone still assumes like it's all still coming from your from your head well, it did years ago, not anymore. I'm not writing them now. I kind of wish I was. I, I'm jealous. What would you write if guys. you could? If you, if you felt like, oh, I want to pick up and start writing Any again. one of them. Really? Of, oh, I love them all. Sure. Doctor Strange, the Black Panther, the Spider-Man, the X-Men, Iron Man. I, I love them all. Daredevil, FF. Yeah. Who are you? Uh... I'm my biggest fan. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> you're, you're the biggest fan? Oh, yes. So when you when you just kind of pass yourself in the hallway and you catch a mirror, you're like, oh my gosh, Stan Lee. Oh man, he looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> Stan, who would win in a fight, the Hulk or Galactus? Avengers Riley. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Um, yeah, I, I took some uh, we took some questions from from Twitter, just, just some general. Uh, so far, this was going well, but now if I have to be really <laughs> informative, I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't have to be. It's fine. Um, this is a good one. I like this question. Uh, this then is, you answer it. Okay, I will. You know what? I will answer it. This is from uh, Z underscore ATL, which I think means Atlanta. Are there any decisions that you've made for early Marvel characters that you later regretted, like origins, deaths, etc.? Hashtag fangasm. The only thing, I don't know that I regretted it. There was one character that I made up called Diablo as a villain, I think in a Fantastic Four story. Jack Kirby and I needed to do a story quickly, so every story depends on the villain. I had no idea, so I said, hey, here's a great name, Diablo, and I gave him the idea for the story, and we did it. It's the only story, I can't remember what it was, I can't remember who the hell Diablo was, or what he did, or why he did it. And that bothers me, because when you create a character, you should feel you know him. And all I had was a name, Diablo, and I cannot remember what the story was. So I, I'd say that's my one big failure. Although the book probably sold okay. So it's out there. Somewhere out there is Diablo. Somewhere years ago, there's a character called Diablo whom I don't know anything about. Maybe he'll make a cameo. You never know. No, no, I make the cameo. You make all the cameos. Yeah, people always want to know, like, oh, when are the cameo going to be in the next... I think we safely assume. I'm in the next Captain America and the next Spider-Man. I missed the next X-Men, and I missed the past Wolverine because they were out of town and I couldn't get there in time. I, I know the viewers will be heartbroken. Oh, by the way, did I tell you why the Marvel movies make so much money? Why is it? Because my cameos. Are That's the cameos. I'll tell you why. The cameos are very brief, right? Yeah. All right. Somebody goes to the movie, and maybe just as my cameo starts, he bends down to get some popcorn he might have spilled or he blinks his eye he misses my cameo yeah so what's the logical thing to do got to go back you go back to the box office buy another ticket yep. 
I would say 50% of the sales of the movies are due to my cameos. Logical, right? That's right. He was like, oh, I just missed it. All right. He gets up. Doesn't even see the end of the movie. Gets up, walks back out, by, and then goes right back into the Think next how theater. much money Wolverine will make, because I didn't have a cameo. They'll go back time and again and again, wondering where it is. So that's probably why we haven't seen the ultimate Stan Lee movie, where they just cut all of your cameos out and strung them all together for oh, 90 wouldn't minutes. wouldn't that be a good idea? <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm beginning to like you. See? See? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be useful yet. Um... This is uh, from the Nixter DA. Which character of yours do you relate to the most and why? Oh, I guess Tony Stark, because he's so handsome and successful and glamorous. And outspoken. It has to be Tony Stark. It's got to be Tony Stark. <laughs> in fact, people meet you in the street, they say, Hiya, Tony. I understand. <laughs> well, you know what's great about a character like Tony Stark is that there's no... You know, usually people, when they look at a character, there's something that they want to relate to, Mm -hmm. you know? But Tony is just like, he's one of the smartest guys on the planet, and he's a mega billionaire, and he's super handsome, and it's just like everything that should be threatening to people, but people still love Tony. That's right, because he has a little sense of humor, too. A little bit. There's a glint in his eye. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, okay, this one I like. This is from Paul Daniel Yes, but will I like it? Will you like it? I don't know. Uh, You may not. I don't know. We're going to find out. Which Marvel character would you want to accompany you during the zombie apocalypse? Would I want to what? Which Marvel character would you want to have on your side during the zombie apocalypse? Now, we know the zombie apocalypse is going to happen, Stan. We don't know when, but we know it's going to happen. Well, let me tell you how I feel about zombies. Okay. I cannot get into this whole zombie thing because I think they're all written wrong. Okay. If I had been dead and came back to life, I wouldn't want to kill people. I'd be so glad I'm alive again. (laughs) I'd want to party and have fun and wow, look at me, I'm alive. Come on, let's have a drink together. What are they so angry about? I don't like this whole zombie thing. So you. But think, what was the question? Which character? I mean, listen, I'm way on your side. I really think that <laughs> that the zombies just don't seem grateful enough. No, what's the matter with them? So, but this is which Marvel character would you want to have on your side during the zombie apocalypse? Well, I'll just pick any one. The Hulk. The Hulk would be Hulk would be good. Yeah, the Hulk. I'd answer him for anything. Who would I want on my side for any reason? I'd want the Hulk. Because they can't bite through his skin. He's be he'd be fine. You guys would be good. Um, which actor do you think has come closest to how you imagined your character when you first wrote it? Well, they've all been good. I mean, I think Tobey Maguire was great as Spider-Man. He was a great Spider-Man. And I think Andrew was great as Spider-Man. That's yeah. his first name today. Yeah, Andrew Garfield, yeah. Yeah. I think that, obviously, um, Robert Downey Jr. was born to be <laughs> Iron Man. Right. I think that Captain America's great. No, I think they're all true. And I'm, I'm the one guy who thought that... Who played Daredevil? Um, ben Affleck. I thought Ben Affleck was good. I thought somehow in the movie it wasn't directed. They made him too much of a tragic figure. Right. I thought of, I, of um, Daredevil as a guy with a sense of humor. He enjoys the fact that people think he's blind, but he really knows more than they do. Right. I would have given it a different tone. Yeah. But I thought he himself was pretty good. And what was the question? Well, uh, it was who was closest to the oh. character. Well, I'd say... Really, all of them. I, I think the last Hulk is the best. Yeah, the one in the Avengers. Ruffalo, yeah. yeah. Mark Ruffalo was a great. Was a great. They did that well, and that's it. Yeah, I, for me, I, I really do. I mean, there's no question that Robert Downey Jr. was is Tony Stark, but I just there was something about Toby's uh, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker where it's just. He was that kind of dorky kid who oh, then agree. just sort of I fell agree. into this thing. Yeah, he was wonderful. Yeah. Another guy who was wonderful, I forget his name, and, and he'll hate me for it, the fellow who played The Thing. Oh, yeah, a Chicklis. have been better. Michael Chicklis. Yeah, Michael Chicklis, a yeah. great guy. And, oh, nobody could have been a better thing than Michael Chicklis. He was a, he was, he was a pretty fantastic thing. He was fantastic. Uh, this is from <laughs> Joe Dittmar. Have you ever considered writing a novel? No. I don't have the patience I thought I would be a novelist when I was very young, 
but I got spoiled because I was able to do a comic book in one day. So I'd sit at the typewriter for six hours, seven hours, whatever it was, and I'd finish the story. And I was finished! And it was such a great feeling. Next day I would start another story, but that's fine. That was a new experience. But somehow to have to sit for weeks or months and work on one story, I don't have the temperament for that. I couldn't stay with it. Do you go back and take second and third passes of things, or do you just like the first pass are you pretty much much done? Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Do you... uh, Never had time for a second pass. (laughs) We had deadline (laughs) problems. Oh, yeah, that is... is, yeah. We were turning out at one time over 40 magazines a month, and I was writing most of them. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, there wasn't time to... Oh, I think I'll diddle with this a little bit and rewrite it, or maybe I'll think about it and change it tomorrow. No, it was written, hey, here you are, draw it, now what's the next one? Yeah. Do you think that's a good lesson for young writers, is to learn how to not be too precious about, oh, I have to go back three or four times to just, like, write and move on, write and move on? No, no, I don't think it's a good lesson. That's just what happened to me. There are some writers who write a first draft, then they polish it, and it gets to be much better on the second draft and so forth. Every writer has his own system, and I wouldn't ever say, follow my system, because it might not work for other people. Yeah. Um, what are the things that you're a fan of? Like, are you watching anything? Do you have time to watch anything? No, no. I, I used to be a big fan of everything, and I don't have time to go to the movies, and I don't really watch television anymore. I don't read comic books. I don't know what the hell is happening in the world. <laughs> I just sit here and write whatever Gil tells me to write. I'm like a slave. What are you <laughs> indentured slave? <laughs> what are you making him write, Gil? What are you making him write? You know, he's creating a whole cast of new characters, new stories. They're probably a little bit more adaptable to contemporary times. They may not be wearing uh, spandex, but they be wearing hoodies and jeans. Yeah. They're just, it all comes back to the story, and that's what he does better than anybody else. Where did the spandex thing come from? Where did that, where did that ever come from? Superman. It's a funny thing. When I did the Fantastic Four, the first issue, I didn't give them costumes. And we started getting fan mail. We love the book. It's great. Oh, man, it's terrific. We can't wait for the next issue. But if you don't give them costumes, we'll never read another story. (laughs) So I didn't need a house to fall on me. I realized the fans like costumes, and that's the reason I gave them all costumes. Didn't you try to make it so that Halloween was at least six times a year? (laughs) Right. Just so people would have to get costumes. Even the Hulk. I couldn't think of a monster giving himself a costume, so I made his skin green so it looks like a costume. So it looks like a costume. And then also the most stretchable purple pants anyone. One's ever. Yeah, I did get ridiculed a lot for that. <laughs> but that's why, you know, when you're reading it in comics, which, you know, when initially, you guys probably, you guys weren't thinking of, you know, porting those over to film and television. It's like those colors pop on a page. Oh, they do. They look really good on a page. And then so when you're, it's like that first joke in the X-Men, like, what are we, what are we supposed to be in, like, yellow leather, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it, it's somehow it's still managed to translate okay. Like well, it still that's seems probably okay. why the readers loved it. It, it, it. Every page looked colorful and exciting. It pops. Um, let's see. I said colorful, exciting. He has to top me by saying it pops. Okay. It did pops. Yeah, I just I took it and I simplified it. It, it wasn't any better the way I said it. Um, this is from at Kmon six five one. What comic book? How hero? many of these do we have? Just uh, seventy four more. I'm kidding. Um, this is uh, what comic book hero would you want to make a movie about but you think it would be the hardest to make none of them are hard at this point any any none of them you can do a movie of anything of anybody the special effects are capable of doing anything well who would you want to see that maybe we haven't oh I want to see all of our characters I can't wait to see Doctor Strange the Black Panther Ant-Man Defenders of the Galaxy all of them I want to see everyone. Well, I want to see the Inhumans. The, I, I still have not seen the Ant-Man footage because I... I didn't even know there was Ant-Man footage. Well, Is there some already? Edgar Wright made like a little teaser for Comic-Con last oh, yeah? year. Yeah. And during the Comic-Con panel, it was just a camera test. But apparently it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, seen, I haven't seen any of it Ant-Man yet. will be a great movie. Everybody will want to see it. You mark my words. You think so, huh? Yeah. Well, I like Edgar. If anyone could do it, I think Edgar could pull well, it you off. you know, as a comic 
strip. It never worked because it was the one character the artist didn't know how to draw. When I say that, they should have all, and I kept telling them this, but they didn't do it. They should have drawn Ant-Man standing next to recognizable things like a paper cup. Right. Where you realize how small he is. Yeah. But they would draw him in a panel by himself, and he looked like a normal-sized man. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you need to see him And in, in most of the panels in the Ant-Man story, you didn't get the feeling you're looking at a little guy. And I used to say, you've got to put things where his size will be contrasted to something else. They never quite got it. And I think that's the only reason Ant-Man didn't become one of our top characters. But I think in the, in, in, in the, the film version... In the film, it'll, he'll it'll be, be great. wonderful. Yeah. You wait and see. But I, but I also think that, you know, like, these, these superhero movies that work really well are helmed by people who I think are pretty similar to your sensibility of guys who understand action and who love comics but are also inherently funny like Joss Whedon's a really funny guy Sam Raimi's a funny guy um, uh, James Gunn's a funny guy and Guardians like this whatever the test footage of Guardians I saw looked great Edgar Wright's a funny guy like it's these the, the there's something about a layer of humor that I think when everyone rushed off to start making comic book movies that some of them missed because like you just you just need a little bit of that humor Absolutely. why do you think that is well, I'm not sure I like being referred to as a funny guy. I always thought I was more the profound type of person. But all right, I'll overlook. You'll go. You'll let I'll it go. I'll overlook. Okay, that. good. Now, why do I think what is? Why do I? Why do? Why do you think that that when guys helm these movies, they work best when they have a little bit of humor? Oh. Well, because all of life has a little bit of humor. You get people together talking. Sooner or later, somebody is going to say something to make someone smile. Things that are deadly serious all the time become boring, like this interview. Deadly course. boring. You yeah. probably lost all your audience. <laughs> well, that was my fault, not yours. <laughs> no, because no, you I, were trying I've been to pretty dull. No, <laughs> I'm listening to myself talking and thinking, "Would well, I even want to hear this?" So, a little humor or a little, a little touch of whimsy or something—it's it, necessary. I tried to put that in all the things I wrote: Spider-Man, all of them. Um, People love humor, and when you can mix that with wild adventure, you have the greatest combination in the world. Yeah. So, uh, one of the shows that you guys are producing, the uh, the Fangasm show, when does Fangasm premiere? Tomorrow. It premieres tomorrow? September, yeah. Okay. So What's... you could say Tuesday night, September, <clears throat> if it's not going to air by tomorrow. Yeah, it, probably won't, it won't air by tomorrow, but it'll be up, like I think, at the end of this week. Yes, Is somebody going to have to listen to this whole thing, no, or are you going to cut it down to a reasonable... You mean the whole chat? The whole interview. Oh, they're getting all of it. Who's getting it? The people, the humans who listen. Where are they, where are they getting it? On the internet. Really? Yes, the internet's just a rain gutter of content. What do you go to to find this? You go to my website, which is Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com? Nerdist.com or iTunes, Nerdist. And then, uh, you know, people have set up, uh, you know, like they, they, they subscribe. And so you really have listeners? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Or lookers or whatever well, they We are. do. We have, we have lookers and listeners. It's pretty That's crazy. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. Well, then can we start over again so I could be more careful? And sure. I'm here with Stan Lee. Um, we're here in his office. Stan, tell us the meaning of life. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? I think it really is just a. I'll tell you what it means. What? In the middle of the ocean, there is a rock, and it's a mile high, and a mile square. Okay. A rock. Once every thousand years, a little hummingbird comes and for a few seconds sharpens its beak against the rock, then flies away. When that rock will have been worn down to nothing by the hummingbird, one second of eternity will have passed. As that deep when I was a kid, I read there was a book called The Outline of History by a guy, Hendrik Wilhelm van Loon, I think, was the, he was in those days an important historian and philosopher. And for some reason, I bought that book, and that was the frontispage, just that one paragraph on the opening page by itself. And I always remembered that when the bird had worn away the whole one-mile-big rock one second of eternity will have passed 
which has nothing to do with humor and nothing to do with comics, and I don't know why I said that. Because it's a good... <laughs> do you? What do you think the message behind that is? Do you think the message is that, uh, that nothing we do matters, or do you think that it... No, everything. Everything matters. matters, but only to us. <laughs> <laughs> For a second. <laughs> and then what do we do? I think so. How do you stay... Uh, as adorable as I am? That I was kind of going there. How do you stay upbeat and positive and happy? And Well, if I'm going to do an interview, I might as well try to do it cheerfully. Yeah. Much as I hate doing interviews. Well, that doesn't, everyone doesn't subscribe to that philosophy. <laughs> well, don't <laughs> some, they some, really? people, some people are a little, you know, I don't know. Some people, oh, I've answered this. Oh, yeah, Craig. Yeah, I've yeah. some cranky. No, I'm very appreciative of the fact that somebody would want to interview me. I remember when I was a kid, and I um, I used to think, gee, it must be wonderful to be important. I, I felt very unimportant when I was a kid. Um, I thought it must be wonderful to have people who want to seek you out, want your company, want to talk to you. So I'm very appreciative of the fact that somebody might want to interview me. Yeah, I still remember how I felt as a kid. I was Peter Parker. You were. You, so you you think you were yeah. Peter Parker as a kid? But I think that's why, you know, the, with the with the comics, there's always this sort of like you know, there's recurring theme of like, oh, he's the tragic hero who can never find love, and but he's always giving to everyone else, and he can't ever give to himself, you know. But there is also that sort of. Uh, aspirational thing where we all want to feel like oh someday something's going to happen I'm going to be special in some way yeah everybody hopes to everybody and it's kind of nice if it happens I remember the one thing I hoped for more than anything and I finally got it we never had a car in our family but I wanted a bicycle if I could only have had a bicycle I would have been free to go wherever I wanted yeah I was about 13 years old I don't know one Christmas, my folks actually pulled their money together and bought me a two-wheeler. Oh, man, that was like the happiest day of my life. I lived in the Bronx, but I could go across the bridge to Manhattan, pedal down all the streets, come back again. I was free, Yeah, which has nothing to do... What, what am I bringing that up? In this because situation? you know what it relates to is that it's sort of like, sort of like the hummingbird. Um, you're, there's sort of those moments in your life where you go, if I could just have this one thing, if I could just have this one thing, are you able to sort of draw that happiness out, or you do you feel never satisfied? Do you feel like, oh, now I've got to go figure out what this next thing is? I don't think anybody is ever satisfied. You know, I don't care who you are. Nobody is ever satisfied. But um, I feel close to being satisfied. Yeah. How did you... I don't expect much more... To happen, you know, it's everything that's going to happen has happened. Yeah, um, but it's fun doing things. We we still have some movies at POW here that we're working on that I think will be out in the next year or two. We have some television shows, but that'll be great. You know, as long as, as long as I can keep working, I'm happy. Yeah, is that the is that sort of the is that sort of the goal? Is just to is just keep keep doing what you like doing as long as you can? Oh, sure. You take men who retire. People can't wait to retire because when they retire, they can finally do what they want to do. They can play all the golf they want with their friends or they can take trips or get a boat. I'm doing what I want to do. So there's no need to think of retiring or anything else. If I were doing something else, I'd be wishing I were doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. So... Again, I don't remember what the question was. I may be off the question. No, it's just sort of like the point of it all. It's just constantly staying energized. I mean, I think people who retire, that sounds horrible to me. Like, really? You're, you get up and you don't have to do anything? Like, that just sounds awful. But I'm, are, you a, are, you sort of, are you a workaholic or do you find time to relax? I don't consider it work. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Sitting down and dreaming up a story is fun putting it down on paper and then looking at it and liking it. And I'm, I probably told you I'm my biggest fan. Yeah. I read what I wrote and I say, wow, did I do that? That's great. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> do you ever, have you ever, has the opposite, has the opposite happened where you go, oh, I can't believe I wrote this? Once in a while, but then I quickly white it out or, you know, cut it out and I rewrite it and then I'm happy. Yeah. Are you but ha- it doesn't happen too often. 
Are you a happy guy in general, do you think? Yeah, like anybody else. Oh, I think most people are stressed out and anxious. Yeah, I'm stressed out very often and anxious very often, but when I'm with people, I'm happy. I like being with people. Yeah, me too. It kind of sucks to be alone. Alone yep. with your thoughts? Who wants to be alone with your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm never, luckily, I'm never that much alone. I have my wife at home, and uh, I have all the people here in the studio. And, yeah, so I'm, as long as people are around, you're stimulated, you know? Yeah. And I like that. I mean, I know, uh, I know we sort of, you know, we make a lot of jokes about... Uh, People really do worship you. I mean, like, you've sensed that, right? When you go to the cons... I admire their taste. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't it ever... I know you can joke about it, but is it... Does it ever sort of trip you out to think of, you know, like, where you are in people's kind of fandom? Give you an honest answer? Yeah. I I never think about it. Yeah? It never really occurs to me. I... I mean, I love the fact when I go to a convention, I'm greeted so nicely, but um, it's nothing I dwell upon. Yeah. If I did, I'd, I'd become a conceited nerd. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just that you've had the you've had the the sort of luxury of being involved for so long, mm-hmm. over so many different decades, and you've seen the sort of you've seen the evolution of it. Because I'm sure there were periods when you're like, "Hi, I'm Stanley," and people are like. So, you know, like, but then you, you built this career and then you built this thing and now it's, you know, it's, it's so rooted in so much of what we love and so much of where culture has gone. Well, I'll put it this way. Now I know how Charles Dickens must have felt. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. That's the goal. Find out how Dickens felt. Do you have any, uh... Any advice for young people, not creators, but just as human beings? Any advice for, like, just wisdom wisdom that you can impart? Yeah. If you're young enough to try to find a career, choose a career that consists of work that you enjoy doing. Because if you can work at something you enjoy, then you're not working. You're having fun. Yeah. And I think that probably... The worst thing in the world would be to have a job that you don't care for, but you're doing it because you have to make a living. Because then you're looking forward to when you retire or right. when you have a vacation. But again, if if you like mechanics, get into a job where you're involved with mechanics and mechanical things, where you do things like that. If you like um, selling, get a job as a salesman. If you like whatever it is you like try to get into that field it won't be as difficult for you you won't feel as much that oh I gotta go to work right but you'll be doing what you like now that's easier said than done it's very hard sometimes most of the time to get involved in the type of work that you wish you could do sometimes you just can't do it you have to take another job God knows when I was young, I did. I was an usher. I was an office boy. I delivered stuff from a drugstore, everything. But if you can, when you're young, you get out of school, try to get some work in a field that you're interested in because it'll make it more bearable for you. Well, it's interesting because you, I, I think your, your generation um, was less supportive of do the stuff you want to do. It was more of a generation of like, no, no, work is a thing that you go to nine to five. Doesn't matter if you hate well, you it. Had to. You got to do it. Wheat. Yeah, exactly. If you want to eat, you got to you got to do it. And then, you know, but it sort of paved the way for you know my generation and younger, which was like, hey, you know, you don't have you know you you have this twenty year adolescence now, and you can sort of do whatever you whatever you want. Well, that's great if you can get by doing whatever you want. I think that's wonderful. Would you? Do I you, envy you. Do you? Do you? Uh, when you sort of look at where our culture is now, do you? Do you ever sort of feel like, oh man, it'd be so much more fun to grow up now? Or do you? Or were? No, you... I never think of that. I think every year of my life, it was an exciting world. You know, I don't think it's any more exciting now than it was back then. Yeah. Back now, you have three D movies. I had great comedians on the radio. Yeah, oh, who'd you like? The same thing, you know, it, it's what you enjoy. Who, who, who did you like? Oh, there was Jack Benny, Eddie Cantor, 
Fred Allen. Um, those were the three big ones at the time that I was a kid. And uh, then, of course, came television. Um, Archie Bunker. Yeah. And uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, things like that. Cheers. The one about the Army Medical Corps, I forget the Nash. Mash. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things to me were as enjoyable as watching a movie now. I mean, it just anything that was well done and entertaining. So the the shape of things changes, but the philosophy remains the same. People want to be entertained. Yeah. And whatever is out there to entertain them is great. Fifty years from now, there may be no more movies or anything. There may be something you put on your head, and you get everything. You just absorb the experience of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that'll be fun, too. It it just... Whatever is out there, grab for it if it'll entertain you. Yeah. I I think there's always sort of a... There's always sort of a very narrow field of vision now where you go, well... Entertainment's great now, but it, it probably wasn't that great back then. Oh, it was wonderful back then. It was wonderful. Um, and it's a funny thing. I remember the radio before television used to be the big thing. In my family, and I imagine most families, we'd put the radio on, especially on a Sunday night. That's when most of the comics were on. Yeah. And strangely enough, we'd arrange our chairs facing the radio set and as just if it was it. <laughs> as if it was a TV set. Yeah. And as if the radio was there, my chair would be like that. I wouldn't sit this way because it's coming from there. You know, you'd sit like this and listen. Very strange when you think about it. Radio was wonderful. Now, before radio, I guess there was the theater and burlesque and whatever else there was. There was always something yeah. to entertain people. Yeah. Because people need entertainment, boy. I used to. This is the last thing, and then I got to wrap. Yeah, up. go, go, go. I yeah, go. But when I was a kid, when I was younger, even in the field, uh, even doing comics, I always felt a little guilty because I felt I'm writing these stupid comics. There are other people building bridges and doing research and doing important things. And then, little by little, I began to realize these comics are entertaining people. And people want to be entertained, and they need to be entertained. Entertainment is incredibly important. And when you think about it, that's why some of the highest paid people in the world are people who entertain you. Singers, musicians, comedians, actors, sports stars, people who entertain the public. They're the ones that are the most important. Nobody gives a hoot about who's building a bridge, but they care about who's entertaining them. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought. Well, it's been it's been good to catch up with you again, and 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 I did get to hear about some of the stuff that you're a fan of. Like I, I I've been listening to the the Forty Station on Sirius XM, oh, yeah? and they, like they pipe on like an old Danny Kaye show yeah. every once in a while, or you know Burns and Allen and Burns and Allen were wonderful. Then there was Eddie Cantor. I remember his theme song at the end. I love to spend each Sunday with you as friend to friend. I'm sorry it's through. Let's make a date for next Sunday night. I'm here to state will be my delight to sing again, bring again the things you want me to. I love to spend each Sunday with you. Imagine me remembering that 60 years ago. And Jack Benny always had a funny thing. At the end of every show, after he he used to, it was going to end now. So there was always one final commercial. So before the commercial, he'd say, we'll be right back, folks. Then there'd be the commercial. Then after the commercial, he'd always say the same thing. We're a little late, folks, so good night. (laughs) (laughs) Every week, we're a little late, folks. And, you know, you've been waiting for the next little few jokes, but we're a little late, folks, so good night. Every week. Every week he did that. And one last thing, I think the funniest line he ever said, or hardly any comedian ever said, he was supposed to be very stingy. Yeah. So there was one scene he did where a a fellow points a gun at him in the street and says, your money or your life? And there's silence. 
And the gunman says, come on, I said, your money or your life? And he says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> I remember, I'm thinking. That was such a famous line. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Good to see you, man. I really enjoyed it. So you made good to me see talk you. much longer than I wanted. Well, we love talking to you. And uh, Fangasm's on uh, 10 o'clock Tuesday nights on the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, brought to you by Power Entertainment. And uh, adorable. 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 That's the word everybody oh, uses. Oh, would you please me. do me one favor? Yeah. We tell, we say enjoy your burrito at the end of each podcast. It basically just means like... Enjoy a burrito? Enjoy your burrito. It means enjoy like... Enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your life as it's happening. All right. Would you please tell people to enjoy their burrito? Hey, guys, there's a special favor to me for crying out loud. Enjoy your burrito. Excelsior. That may be the best one. <laughs> Thanks, right. man. A pleasure. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST.